Naperville is home to hundreds, if not thousands, of stories. As time goes by, some of those stories are lost to us. One of NCTV 17's missions is to capture, tell, and preserve as many of those stories as possible. Sometimes they're the story of someone whose accomplishments should never be forgotten. Other times they're stories of a time and a place that reflect who we are and where we've come from. And sometimes the stories may seem small, but on closer examination, they tell us almost everything we need to know about family, community, and even country. These stories are available on the NCTV 17 website as they were originally intended as visual media. By putting these documentaries online as a podcast, we've stripped these stories of the visuals that help to tell them, a photograph from the time, or a lower third graphic to let you know who is speaking. And yet the stories still work by simply listening alone. Let the sounds of these documentaries open up before you and learn more about the people and places that helped make Naperville the community it is today. George Martin, like Joseph Naper, headed westward to take advantage of the government's preemption act, buying land and gaining the right to vote. George came to Naper Settlement and joined in the effort to build a growing community. Naperville was even at that time a very agrarian community. The early 1830s it was more the Mill, Jackson, Jefferson Street area. That's where Joseph Naper settled. It's where his trading post and sawmill was, located on the river. They built a school in that vicinity, so that was more the hub. By 1833, when George Martin is here, there's a couple hundred people, but he certainly was a businessman. He owned over 200 acres for farming. George Martin, when he first emigrated to America with his wife Elizabeth and his young son George, he, he was a man of influence and probably of means in his homeland of Scotland and seeking not necessarily a better life but maybe a different life with greater opportunity and he found that here in, in America and in Naperville. A working mill at Naper Settlement enabled the Martins to buy lumber and build a home for farming which would become the first frame house built in DuPage County. The Century House was located across the street from here near Rotary Hill. That was the first residence, you know, for, for the George Mountain family. And they resided there while they were farming. It burned down in 1958, so it's no longer there, but it is, there um, is a marker that denoted where it is past Rotary Hill. Sadly, in 1841, George Martin dies early, leaving his wife and only son George, who was 15 at the time, in charge of his affairs. George the father, was the farmer and George the son, the second, upon his father's death needed to step up and take on his father's business ventures whether it was farming or anything else. He wasn't a farmer at heart and I think that other avenues within the business arenas were of greater interest to him. As Naperville grew, 
George II became successful in many different business ventures. His most lucrative enterprise was the Naperville Tile and Brick Works. This led to his involvement in town politics and made George Martin a well-known name in town. In 1871 is when he got into the brick and tile making uh, business, which was probably a very natural step to take after the stone quarrying he had been doing at different points in time. He owned the big and small quarries in Naperville. They're one of a core group of families and businessmen who make Naperville grow into an important town in the region. People did know George Martin. I'm sure that at one point in time he probably dealt with most people, whether it was as their employer, their banker, someone they bought building materials from, or someone that they knew as a friend. Naperville is often associated with its founder, Joseph Naper, leaving George Martin an early influence, lesser known. Martin comes in afterwards, and while it's a compelling story, it's not that, it's not identified as that first story, that founding story. And I really think that that's why Martin winds up being in a secondary tier rather than right up there with, with Joe Naper, because uh, in terms of economic impact, there's no question that Martin is employing more people and cycling more money into this community than Joe Naper did earlier on. They wanted to ensure that the infrastructure was here. Uh, George Martin was involved in many of the same things as Joseph Naper. And actually, when you look back into that time period, you see the Martin name pretty frequently alongside that as Naper. Little did George Martin II know that a disaster would contribute to his financial success with the Brick and Tile Company. As tragedy struck in 1871 with the Chicago Fire, Chicagoans were left injured, homeless, and in a city of ruins. The rebuild offered many local businesses the chance to capitalize. Martin's business experienced its greatest success as Chicago faced its greatest tragedy. Now Martin and others like him also take advantage of the fact that after the Chicago fire, uh, the city of Chicago creates a, a large district in the core of the city in which you couldn't build uh, frame structures. That is, you had to use stone or brick uh, to build uh, those buildings. So that would be the downtown district in particular that's burned you're going to need to rebuild that not in frame but in stone or brick. And so quarries and brick making operations across the region really boom after 1871 because there's this huge demand for building materials. And so George Martin's a part of that process. The Chicago fire resulted in a huge boom in business. George Martin decided to build a mansion that was grand even by today's standards. The Naperville Clearing and the local newspaper as the house was being built, they'd have little updates on what was happening and where, the, where it was the foundation went in, the walls were going up, the slate roof was being added, and they would refer to it as the Martin's Estate and Martin's Mansion. I think they felt that they were at a point in their lives where they could afford a house like this and they wanted the luxuries of living in a house like this in that it had space for everyone. It had a formal parlor for entertaining. It could accommodate all of the children in their own bedroom and it was built with fine materials. He's not building a modest home. He's building a home that says 
You know, I'm the boss. I own these quarries. And he's building it right where all of his workers can see it. A lot of people think of a home like this probably being something you live in and raise your family in, whereas this was kind of their second move up house, which people can relate to today in terms of building their dream house and having to accumulate the resources to do that. They built this house in 1883. At that time, George was in his 50s, Sibelia was in her late 40s, and their children were grown. Um, Lizzie, the oldest, was 28 years old, Kitty was 26, and Caroline was 19. Their son, George, was 21, but he did not live in the house. He was an attorney going to school and practicing in Chicago. Whether George dreamed of having a large home or being one of the wealthiest people in town, we will never know, as his time was cut short. George II died just six years after the mansion was built. George died in 1889. He was 63 years old. His daughters and wife continued to live in the house and operate the brick and tile business. Today, the mansion stands as a tribute to the decades of hard work and business risks that led to George's and the Martin family's success. The Martins have been able to live on in their beloved community of Naperville as the home and land that Caroline gave to Naperville continues to benefit many. The recent restoration of the Martin Mitchell home will allow even more generations of Napervillians to hear the Martin story of success. This was the beginning of a museum in the city of Naperville back from the 1930s. It was the heart of so much of the opportunity and the forethought of the importance of preserving our town's past. The building, however, was never built to, to manage the millions of public feet that walk through it on, a, on an annual basis, and it has been over millions of people since the day we opened it to the public. We have a public trust and a responsibility to ensure that that building is strong and staunch for the future, not just to the intent of the will and the bequest of Carolyn Martin Mitchell, but actually to the residents of today and the residents of tomorrow. It had seen much wear and tear, and it was, I think, not, we would not have been taking our mission to preserve elements of Naperville if we hadn't undergone restoration of the building. It had served as a private residence for a number of years and then it had been open to the public for probably over 60 years and she was showing her where basically and as a preservation agency the Naperville Heritage Society was cognizant of the need to begin to develop a plan to bring the grand old lady as people like to refer to her um, back to her, her, her old glory. The home is representative of a time where you see the Industrial Revolution coming full force. Life was changing, and people were taking advantage of the technologies being offered. If you're looking for simple, clean lines, they won't be found in the Victorian period. I mean, the Victorian period is a real celebration of the ability to manufacture and to create all kinds of things. The notion of showing as many different colors and uh, patterns juxtaposed one against each other is very much a part of this world. The turn of the century is called the Gilded Age for very good reason. I mean, it's an era in which 
People who make money are able to build homes and fill homes with really beautiful and ornate goods. And the Martins are a part of that. They're a part of the group of people that profit and that benefit from industrialization and urbanization in the later part of the 19th century. With the restoration of the mansion, the Victorian time period is brought to life. Renovation is, uh, is fabulous. As a 19th century historian, being able to walk into a space that has been meticulously restored to put you back in the late 19th century is a huge pleasure. It was tremendous. Um, first, the time that it took. Uh, we did the historic site structure report, which kind of developed into the plans for what it was going to take to restore it. We're going to do it, we're going to do it right. So rather than doing parts and pieces and trying to phase it, we bit the bullet and fortunately we had some very generous people as well as the state and city and other people that stepped up and were able to completely fundraise the $2.8 million it took and over two years to complete the project. George's legacy in business continued even after his death through his family. The Martin women took it upon themselves to see that their father's business carried on, with Kitty becoming a managing partner. They worked, you know, in the office and administratively did the paperwork and the books and the bookkeeping and those types of things and, and kept it running. It shows the, this, the leadership potential, the ability to have confidence and trust in the women to run the family business, as well as the fact that um, they're able to stand up on their own feet. The one thing here, though, that makes it less unusual is the fact that it's a family business. And I, and I think that the instances where you find women working in a business like this are almost all, in, in this kind of a capacity, are almost all tied to it being a family business. So in that sense, it's a very small group, but it's not, uh, some, it's not a woman breaking into a field. It's a woman taking up the mantle of a family business uh, and moving forward with it. Back then, they were clearly forging their own trail. And part of it was out of necessity, but um, that's part of the unique story to be told about the Merton Mitchell family and the mansion, is their role as kind of entrepreneurs and females in business. Besides their active role in business, the Martin women could be seen as different in that none of them had children and only one of them married. The one thing though is that in, in the main, women who are working are going to be single. So one thing you can't say across classes uh, by the time the women here are, are involved in the quarry is that it's the work largely done of single women, not of married women. The, the eldest daughter, Lizzie, she, she was affected by dwarfism, so that in and of itself may have excluded her potentially from suitors. The middle daughter, Kitty, Catherine, she did have some illnesses. She did die shortly after her mother died in 1908. While Lizzie being affected by dwarfism set the family apart, it also demonstrated the spirit of the community. She wasn't shunned like you would imagine many were. She actually was active in the business, participated in that as, as we believe. People with any kind of a disability were not generally seen on the street. I think it's a testament to her standing in the Naperville community that she could walk on the street with, with, with no difficulty and that she was an accepted member of the community. I think that does set Naperville apart. Caroline was the only daughter to marry out of the Martin children. 
Caroline, the youngest daughter, did marry in 1895, and that was unusual in that typically younger sisters would not marry until their older sisters married first. But she met and fell in love with Edward Mitchell, who was from Hinsdale and worked in Chicago. He worked at Carson Peary Scott and several other department stores. And they eloped to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then came back. They lived in the suburbs for several months and then moved into the family's home. Preceded in death by her sisters, Caroline lived in the mansion with her husband Edward until she was widowed in 1929. A prominent figure in Naperville, Caroline showed true dedication towards her community and keeping her family's memories alive. Calling Caroline a curator is absolutely appropriate, no question about it. Caroline was known for her pride in, um, in her heritage, so much so that she opened her home during the town's centennial in 1931 for people to view, kind of like a museum, except it wasn't a museum, yet it was still her private residence. And she pretty much put up different little displays of her family's relics, basically, and um, gave information about that. The different, different accounts that we've heard through the years is that as she became more aged, um, she became more reclusive into her home. She became a little, um, I think estranged from the community um, in the later years, from what we understand. Some people remember Caroline from their childhood encounters with her. Mr. Schrader told me this story about his boyhood experiences as he was growing up near Carolyn Martin Mitchell. He loved get, getting over into her apple orchard and stealing apples every so often. And there were several boys in the neighborhood who thought that that was a, a good idea too. So whenever they thought they could get away with it, they would come over and steal a few apples. Of course, when Carolyn caught them, she would chase them away. And the boys could not understand why she would do that, because she was absolutely the wealthiest woman in town. So why would she care about a few apples? She, she had a, a, a nice gray car, see, Auburn car. And when she, when she would go out, she would always go out up here, see. But when she'd come in, she'd always come in down here, where the gate was down here, see. And then uh, she didn't wait for anybody to, the car coming down the hill, she didn't wait for him. She just blew her horn and pulled in front of him and came in, see. I'm surprised he's still alive. <laughs> With no children, there were no obvious heirs to the Martin Mitchell estate. That left the Martin's beloved hometown Naperville, who could benefit much from this land. Within several years of Naperville's centennial, Judge Wynn Nock convinced Caroline to bequest her family's home and property to the city. It was really the first large gift that a private citizen made to the city. And since then, there's other examples of that, whether it's one family or several families joining together to give something back to the community that they so loved. I'm sure that she looked on herself as being one of the leading members of the community. Her family had had important businesses here in town. Her father had been a very important man. And I think she was still trying to impress people with how wonderful the Martin family was and how much they had accomplished 
and how they had built this wonderful house, you know. When you think you're somebody important, you want to impress people, that's the way it works. With Caroline's gift, she made two stipulations. The first, that her family's home be opened as the city's first public museum. The Martin Home opened as a museum in 1939. People were provided tours of the home on, on a very limited basis. Um, I believe they were open maybe one, one weekend day a week, uh, maybe for a couple of hours type of thing. And guides would take people through the various rooms and show various collections of materials that had either been donated to the museum or were on loan to the museum from, from pioneer families. So there, there, were, there were items of interest and intrigue and curiosities and that type of thing. It was your basic eclectic public museum. When we first moved to Neighborville in 1944, population 5,200, you knew everybody in town. Back in the late 40s, early 50s, I used to work here as a museum guide on Sunday afternoon. We talked about the family, perhaps not as in-depth as we do now. You have to know a little bit about the Martins in order to be able to appreciate the house and appreciate the gift that Caroline gave to the city. Caroline's second stipulation included the 212 surrounding acres of land to be used in the public's interest. The land has now become Naper Settlement, Naperville Central High School, across Aurora Avenue, parts of the Riverwalk, all the way down to the parkland on the other side of the high school. Quite a significant chunk of land in what is now considered downtown Naperville. George and his father also own the land that the Naperville Cemetery is on and had donated that for an early cemetery in town. Having that land set aside and going to the city at a moment when the city's not going to have money to purchase land. I mean, the fact that this comes in the Depression it means that it's a gift that couldn't have been replicated. It sets open space within the core of, of Naperville Center, so it's important in that way. It's a huge boost to the civic identity of Naperville right from the get-go. And then I think over time, it's just evolved into an enterprise that, that helps to shape, uh, make Naperville a distinctive place, a place that values its history, that values both the past, the present, and the future. And, and I think you really see that in the restoration work at, this, at, the, at the Martin Mitchell Mansion. It was a very large gift to the city of Naperville and something that really is the basis for much culture in Naperville when you look at Naper Settlement and the Riverwalk and Rotary Hill and the things that occur in this downtown area that can be attributed back to the Martin family. So we have a lot to be grateful for them for their foresight in making that gift to the community. Naperville has truly kept faithful to Caroline's bequest. After a three-year process, the home's exterior, structural elements, mechanical and electrical needs, and interior finishes were completely restored to the time period of 1890 to 1907. People, they were astounded at the transformation, especially if they were familiar with what the building had looked like prior to the restoration. The richness of the materials, the, the wallpapers, the fabrics, I think that catches people by surprise. 
Um, I've been very pleased with our decisions to bring in that early subdued lighting, which is what they lived through. When the wallpapers went up and the carpets went in, I think that's when it really hit us what was happening here because just the color that it brought to the house. I think people look at black and white photographs and they appreciate the past through them, but they tend to think of the past in black and white and they don't realize that people used color, I think, even more so than we do today. Probably my greatest feeling when it was totally finished was how magnificent it was and what a beautiful home it must have been for the Martins. I sincerely feel, and I've never felt this before about any other house, that Caroline's happy, you know, that she has clearly felt good about the process. Um, that makes me feel good. They, she left us a great legacy and an important trust to continue to care for this home. And I just hope that we can do it in the right manner. And I have a very positive, warm feeling that we have accomplished that. The Martins have been able to live as a part of the community's past, present, and future. It's a critical story in Naperville's history. It's a testament to the people in Naperville that their support for maintaining this home. It's also a testament to someone who was interested in serving Naperville, the family itself, and the gift that they gave to the, the town itself in the 1930s. The house, though, is, I think, also a, a legacy because, to some degree, it's a house that ought to be set up alongside of other houses that have been preserved in this era, of this era, in the region as a whole, so that you can start to think about what it was like to live in homes like this. We want visitors, when they come to see the mansion, to feel like they're stepping back in time. And as they're touring the settlement property, to be able to make those comparisons and contrasts with other buildings and other time periods, to start to understand the evolution of life in Naperville. The people who make things happen, and that each individual has the power to make a difference, and that it does have a lasting legacy that affects all of our lives in the future. The mansion really gives us a golden opportunity to display that. The Martin Mitchell Mansion is, without a doubt, the crown jewel of Naperville. So many wonderful memories are here, and it was the beginning of Naperville Settlement, and it stood out, among all others, as the most beautiful mansion in Naperville. And because of that, we have saved our heritage, and we consider the mansion the starting point for saving all that's beautiful in Naperville. I think it's wildly exceeding her expectations when she had plans of giving it to the city. Uh, one, the fact that it is this setting with the neighbor settlement. Two, more recently, uh, we've finally given her this house, this mansion, justice. With the full restoration, you just got to believe she is looking down and extremely pleased with what this has become. Caroline gave this everlasting gift to the city of Naperville when she gave us her home. We have a jewel here that very few communities are able to equal. Through the past 70 years, millions have walked the halls of the Martin Mitchell Mansion to hear the story of the George Martin family whose hard work, generous contribution, and dedication to community exemplifies the strong principles on which Naperville was built.